Acorns automatically invests your spare change and lets you invest as little as $5 anytime or on a recurring basis into a portfolio of ETFs. Your investments are then diversified across more than 7,000 stocks and bonds and automatically rebalanced when the market fluctuates. Save for the future and invest with Acorns. Once the show is on demand, click the Acorn link within the description of this broadcast and start saving. Warning, Weird West Radio contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. exclusive western show where we talk about the weird the strange the science fiction and the traditional western films and today in the studio with me is clint hello clint well hello hello you know i would think that we are the only one that covers all different styles of westerns oh for sure do i dare go out there and say that Yes, and we're the best. We're definitely the best. And I will I will go out on that limb and say that, and it might snap, and I might fall down. But I'm confident. I'm, I'm willing to have that horse drop underneath both of us. Yeah. 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 I like that. All right, so you and I are going to be discussing and breaking down the science fiction western titled Prospect. Uh, with a running time of 100 minutes and a budget of only $3.9 million. Wow. Yeah, $3.9 million. And we're going to focus on that quite a bit because the amount of movie we got out of $3.9 million should serve as an example for all you overspenders out there, those big budget studios. Because look what you can do with a little bit of know-how. Yeah. And creative skills. I didn't know that was the uh, cost. Yeah. It's a it's considered a low budget art film. So An art film. Well, it was it was on the festival circuit. Maybe art film is going a little too far, but it definitely has some artistic elements for sure. Sure. Uh, now, Prospect is a 2018 American science fiction film starring Pedro Pascal. Sophie Thatcher 
and Jay Duplass. The film is written and directed by Zeke Earl and Chris Caldwell. It premiered on March 5th, 2018. So over a year ago at the South by Southwest Film Festival, the company Gunpowder and Sky under their science fiction oriented label they called Dust released the film in Regal Cinemas on November 2nd, 2018, less than a year ago. And the film was released on video on demand and home media on March 8th, 2019. Isn't it funny to see the long arduous journey that an indie film takes yeah. in order to be seen by the masses. Mm-hmm. That's insane. A year ago, it was released at film festivals over a year ago. Then it had a release at select cinemas in November. And then finally a broad release on video on demand just this year. But Hey, I'm sure these, uh, these filmmakers were enjoying their little festival run. Cause they did have quite a bit of awards that they were able to garner with their release. Now the synopsis, a man and his teenage daughter travel to an alien moon with a contract to mine gems in the moon's poisonous forest. The daughter is forced to face other people in the forest as well as her own father's greed. Yeah. So we're going to be delving into something a little different. Uh, We've discussed sci-fi Westerns before uh, firefly cowboys and aliens, but it's not a subgenre that we have an opportunity to explore very often. And that's just because there's not a lot of them being made. Not because we're not fans of them. It's just they're far and few between. Mm-hmm. Now, this film popped onto my radar a few months back, maybe January or February of this year. And I actually purchased it as soon as it was released on video on demand. And a lot of it had to do with the announcement of Pedro Pascal's casting into a property called star Wars, the Mandalorian. I don't know if you knew that, but Mm. the lead actor in this movie, Pedro Pascal is actually the Mandalorian in the upcoming, yeah, upcoming star Wars TV show, which by the way is also supposed to be a Western. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, so am I big time. As I mentioned just a few seconds ago, this had not popped on my radar until recently and before this, I had not seen anything from Zeke Earl or Chris Cardwell. Uh, so I wasn't sure what to expect. But based on where it premiered and its festival run, I assumed the cinephiles of the world were predominantly loving it. Just because when you go through the list of film festivals and the awards it was nominated for, you get the idea that this film was uh, tearing it up within the film circle. Mm. Uh, Starting way back in 2008, it uh, was at the Seattle International Film Festival. It was nominated for the best new American cinema competition. Then at the South by Southwest Film Festival, it won its uh, prestigious award. Uh, It was nominated for the Archie Award at the Philadelphia Film Festival, was nominated and won at the Heartland Film Festival. Uh, It was nominated and won at the Film Quest Film Festival, the Palm Springs International Film Festival. It was nominated uh, for Best New Voices, New Visions, Grand Jury Prize. And the list goes on and on and on. Numerous wins and numerous nominations. So I had figured once I once I did my research on this film, I was like, okay, well, I haven't seen this yet, but judging by its festival run and the amount of awards it garnered and was nominated for it has to be a decent movie right i I guess one can surmise 
uh, the movie was creative. The directors displayed an understanding of the Western genre, which for me is important. If you're going to call your Western or your film, I should say a Western and it's a science fiction piece, then you better put those parts in there. You better put those elements that I can pick out as a Western buff or at the very least show us they appreciated the Western genre. And at times it did feel like a homage of the classics, the dangers of the frontier, the gold rush, the unsavory types that followed as well. That time in American history that we've all read about when everyone came to America to strike it rich. So it's kind of, they kind of use the American frontier myth as their foundation at least that's what I've come to call it, the frontier myth. It's this idealistic place that exists on the edge of civilization. It has been romanticized at lengths and all forms of literature as this concept of America being wide open with unlimited opportunity. But the reality was that it was fucking hard. (laughs) (laughs) It was not a cakewalk. It was brutal and people died. And this felt like a reframing of that idealistic perspective, which fits right into what this film would be considered. And I would consider it not just a Western science fiction, but a revisionist Western. It's something that challenges the original, uh, I guess you can say, ideology of the classic Westerns. It's saying, hey, it's not all happy. This isn't the Roy Rogers, you know, skippity bebop to excitement and and lollipops this is a hard world and i like that they framed it in that way that was probably for me the biggest win of this film i really dug the various representations of objects like set pieces that we find in westerns and how the directors tweaked things just a bit to fit a more futuristic setting as well clint you've been really silent and i'm anxious Sometimes it can go two ways with your silence. Either you're just waiting for the right time to jump in because I talk too much or you hated the movie. So I want to hear your initial thoughts. How do you how do you feel about this film? Uh, You know, I throughout the whole thing, you could definitely feel the Western vibe through through it. Uh, It felt like we had some banditos. Bad outlaws in the mix, uh, the whole prospects prospecting aspect was cool i also liked the setting of it the dense woods it felt like it was a not a frontier like the old desert frontier but it felt like it was new because of you know like the overgrowth and you had these little set not settlements but uh camps of people so i really dug it i thought it was fun I'm glad you liked it. Like I said, it's kind of hit or miss with you sometimes with these uh, very specific Western types, these subgenres of the Western genre. It's 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 kind of hard to pinpoint if you're going to like it or not. And sometimes if you dislike it, I'm okay with that because it makes for a great conversation. We can argue and sling mud (laughs) at each other. But with this one, I really did like the film. So I was hoping you did as well. I didn't want to mudsling over because I wanted to appreciate the overall filmmaking side of this because that's my biggest takeaway is it my favorite western piece no it's not is it the most exciting western piece no it's not but from a filmmaker's i from a filmmaker's perspective the cinephile i feel like it's really hard to hate this movie or dislike this film because of what they managed to achieve while shooting and producing this film 
So that being said, let's go ahead and dig into this a little further. Prospect is a film, as I said, directed by Zeke Earl and Chris Caldwell and is based on an earlier work of theirs, a 15 minute short film of the same name with a very similar concept. It's been described as being an unusual coming of age story of Mm. a teenage girl on a toxic alien planet. She and her father hunt for precious materials aiming to strike it rich. When the father is attacked by a roving bandit, the daughter must take control. So very similar concept. Obviously, um, we get a movie that seems like it's pretty much hitting the same notes, except possibly a little bit more drawn out. And I think what makes this movie interesting is the attention to detail, the drawn out aspects, because when you look at the story, it's very simple. You could still call this a bit of a coming of age story about a girl who's trapped or stranded on a toxic alien planet because of her douchey father's greed. <laughs> I mean, that much is there. All they did was kind of fill in the the gaps with more atmospheric scenes. You know, they were, they were building the world up a bit. They were able to take their time with this feature film. You know, daughter loses father to a bandit. Bandit ends up being a better person than her father. They work together to get off a toxic planet and make it to the last transport out of the planetary planetary system so for me i think what really worked was the sheer artistry behind the film and that includes the nuanced aspects Uh, the concept behind the mining of precious metals like you mentioned uh, from the indigenous alien species was creative almost like getting pearls from clams except if you don't know what you're doing you can blow yourself up yeah because apparently the indigenous animal is like an unstable element is like a giant sperm (laughs) and it explodes all over your face well it it did i mean when you looked at it and they pulled it out of the pocket you were like whoa pulled it out of the pocket so you're saying the pocket or the rock or the layer is kind of like foreskin is what you're saying yeah you, you bet I'm going with your sexual analogy, you pervert. Let's just go with it. What else? What else did you get from this? That was about it. Just just that the seed had a, the sperm had a heart, heart inside. Oh my gosh. Or you could say it was a lot like a clam or I should say a lot like an oyster, I should say. Oh, sure. That's what I meant. Not a I said clam, but more, a lot like an oyster. Um, so those are the things that I like the mo- most about this movie is just the little things that the little moments that they kind of sprinkled throughout the movie that intrigued that made you say, Oh, that's interesting. I like what they did there. And Zeke Earl, one of the directors also was the cinematographer that really put together a steady sequence of visuals that really helped to draw you into the film, because that's something that's very crucial when you're dealing with a movie like this, when you're dealing with a movie, that's relatively simple. The story is it's slow. And when I say slow, I hate to use that choice of verbiage just because it comes with a lot of negative connotations. When Mm -hmm. you say slow, that's not really a way you want to describe someone's movie that you're suggesting someone to watch. Right. Yeah. I don't even think a director would want to hear that. Like, oh, my movie's slow. But that's how that's the choice word I'm going to use. Even though there were slow moments, I felt like it all lended itself to the overall world building. It helped build the ambience that I think was needed to understand this science fiction alien planet. If they were to go and move from A to B to C too fast, 
at inappropriate times and random intervals, I don't think it would have worked as well. I feel like the pacing was actually very on par with the overall story. You know, we just discussed the wind uh, recently. And one thing that about that is that's kind of how that was, too. It was actually setting it. It was paced that way for the setting of the world of the time. And that's kind of how this was. And that's, you know, I think we we were saying that some people dislike that film just because of how it was paced, how slow it was. But if you're if you're true, if you're a true film Western geek like ourselves, you should understand that sometimes they have to do that because not everything's going to be a uh, magnificent seven, you know, shoot them uh, up, bang, bang. Yeah, I mean, it's just. It's not going to be that because that's not how the West really was. It was right. a little slower, a little, you know, backed off paced type uh, type of um, deal. And that's, I think, one cool thing I was going to mention is they always had their helmets on. Yeah. And they always had it when they were out walking around, uh, they always had their helmets on. They were talking through uh, like the microphones and stuff, which lended itself to kind of bring you into that world a little more. It and really they could, did. They couldn't really move fast either because of how dense that woods was. So I, you know, when you mentioned the pacing and how s- slow it was, you know, it doesn't have to always be a negative because it really, it brought you in. I thought it brought you into the film that much more. Yeah, I agree. And especially with the helmet aspect, I think that was a great call. I think a lot of movies kind of cop out and be like, oh, look, the weather, we can breathe. Let's yeah. take our mask <laughs> off. It, just because a lot of a lot of reasons. A lot of times actors just don't want to be hindered while they're performing. Uh, sometimes actors' contracts actually dictate the actor needs to show his face for this amount of time. And you can't really make out his mannerisms and possibly even his uh, his acting, you, know, he, you might not be able to get all of the emoting that this actor may do during a performance, which is why an actor wants to act many times. They want to show what they can do. But that was a call that I agree with 100 percent because it also helped, as you said, with the 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 immersion of this film, because you got the idea that danger was always just a removing of the helmet away. Yep, it really and did. that. And that helps with the whole frontier vibe because, you know, let's let's kind of um, parallel that with Westerns today, or I should say Westerns, traditional Westerns. Let's parallel that with traditional Westerns. Sometimes in these movies, if they do them right, you get the idea when you're dealing with the frontier in the wild, wild west. Danger is just around the corner. The wild, wild west is called the wild, wild west for a reason. It wasn't safe. It was a dangerous place. And I felt like the helmet added to that feeling subconsciously that it was dangerous. It was unsafe. Let's get back to our horses and ride back to town now. That's the feeling that I got. And I definitely appreciated it. Now, going hand in hand with the pacing, I kind of stick to this topic because it's a big part of this movie. The directors had said in in an interview that they wanted to keep as much exposition and overly explain things out of the mouth of the character and keep everything as self-evident as possible. And the only way you can do that, Clint, 
is by allowing us to see what's happening. And the only way you can allow us to see what's happening is by working with those pacing moments. Those moments of pacing that people may call slow is actually moments of world building. You have to pay attention. And unfortunately, in this ADD society, there may be people that say, I will what? What? (laughs) I got to pay attention. I need words. I need words to tell me. Right. Things. You know, and that one concept is what helped this film succeed in creating a very real world through seemingly menial tasks. That was a takeaway for me. Uh, Talking about mining contracts, transports leaving the system and how everything was just thrown into a casual conversation between father and daughter within just that first opening act. It laid the groundwork for what would jumpstart the film and lead us into the second act of the picture. So it was it was definitely a decision made by the directors that that was warranted. It worked to help tell their story. And when it comes to acting, acting was another thing that really helped with the overall immersion. And when you have great actors like Pedro Pascal and newcomer Sophie Thatcher, you want that camera to sit a little bit idly on them. You want to take it in. It, it, I equate it to Daniel Day-Lewis syndrome, where I always say, you know what? I can watch Daniel Day-Lewis watch paint dry, and I would applaud his performance because <laughs> it's so fucking good. And Pedro Pascal, okay, I'm not going to go as far to say that he's Daniel Day-Lewis at this point, but these are actors where you want to see their performance. And the only way you can really immerse yourself in in the emotions of the scene and the heightened uh, suspense that was happening you had to see those performances unravel at the appropriate time now Pedro's Pascal's performance as Ezra was very good he really helped with creating a lot of um, conflicting emotions uh, mostly suspense because you were quite you were never quite sure where his loyalties lie And what he was really about until the end. And that's the classic Western archetype of many of our characters in Westerns. You don't know where their loyalties lie until the ending. And sometimes even at the end, you're not quite sure. Yeah. You feel like in the moment, in that moment, this scumbag made the right decision. And he showed that he could be a good person. And that's kind of the idea that I got from uh, Pedro Pascal's performance as Ezra. He was a little... Swarm, not swarmy. He was a little uh, seedy, possibly at times in in his real life. But when it came down to it, he made a more a moral decision and proved to the audience that he is a trusting and decent individual. You're always uh, just waiting for him to to portray the girl. Oil. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And it, it just always felt like it was there. And sometimes that can suck. Because you're just waiting and it never happens. You're like, oh, this would have been a perfect time. Oh, no. Oh, uh, no. Not, you know, and it. I'm not saying that I felt like that it needed to happen because it really didn't. But it was just one of those where they did such a good job of keeping that, like you said, the suspense of him turning on him that you're always, you're not hoping for it, but you're always waiting. Sometimes that wait can kind of kill you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. And that's that's one of the strength of strength of his performance. You know, in an interview, the directors even mentioned that aspect to Pedro's performance. They said the character of Ezra was very much modeled 
after this kind of classic hyper loquacious Western archetype. And Pedro, they said, has that kind of energy. Uh, Caldwell says he's always dancing on the line between charm and menace, and you never quite know where he's going to land in any situation. It takes a very specific type of actor to really nail that. And if you've ever watched Pedro Pascal and other things, he he has that that thing about him where he's so fucking good, but he's so untrustworthy sure. looking. Up until this point, I think his biggest role, he's been in various things, but I think his big claim to fame right now is in Game of Thrones. He was in a season of Game of Thrones. Okay. Where he got brutally murdered by the mountain. Yeah. So Pedro Pascal, he has a bright future ahead of him uh, with the casting of The Mandalorian, which will be dropping on audiences just this November. So just a few short months away, we'll be able to watch The Mandalorian, which is supposed to be a Western sci-fi opera masterpiece, according to a lot of people already. What did they ever decide that was going to be on? It's on the Disney streaming service that's oh. starting in November. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because it's a Disney. Okay. Production. Yeah. But don't let that Disney banner fool you. From what I keep seeing and hearing, the Mandalorian is going to be legit. Oh, really? So finger, fingers crossed on that, man. And I'm, I couldn't be happier with Pedro Pascal's casting because he's good, especially after seeing him in the, in this role as Ezra. It just, Gave me that much more confidence in sure. his abilities to really make something stand out in The Mandalorian. One thing was cool about this uh, this film is they actually kind of had that when uh, Eli Wallach and Clint Eastwood walking through the desert or riding through the desert when they were when he had him by the rope when they were walking and she kind of had him by gunpoint through the woods, you know during the uh, kind of almost when they first first met when they were walking towards the uh right the new place that it kind of reminded me of that whole scene you know walking and being tied to each other somewhat it was kind of cool yeah i agree there's a lot of great moments like that um sophie thatcher as C was equally good in a different way t- uh, taking essentially an innocent and forcing her to I guess you could say grow up and rely on instincts is a testament to the strength of youth, you know, the need to survive and self-reliance and the ending where she finally made it back into space and heading home. You can feel her relief. That's acting Mm -hmm. the strength. She felt that she had accomplished what might have seemed the impossible. I thought that was really good. And if you can feel exactly what they're feeling, that moment where she takes a, a deep breath when she realizes she's she's going to she's going to be okay. She's on that ship, she's heading back to the transport and she's not going to be stranded on this lifeless toxic planet to die. That was a very powerful moment again being done or I should say portrayed through a helmet. Yep. I mean so good. I rem- it reminds me of a scene totally different type of movie and you probably have never seen it. But it's a movie starring Dustin Hoffman, and it's one of my favorite films in, because of the way it ended. And it was called The Graduate. It's an oldie. It's an oldie. And not to get into it too much and distract from this discussion, but there was a moment at the end of that movie where the camera pulls out on Dustin Hoffman's character, and they say nothing. Him and the woman in the movie. They say nothing. 
They sit down. You get the idea that everything's going to end well for them. The camera pulls back and there's silence. And you see this sigh of relief that just permeates the screen, fills the frame. I mean, to this day, that scene is just so good. And that's similar to how I felt watching Sophie Thatcher at the end of Prospect. The fact that you can feel that relaxation, that's some really good acting. Mm-hmm. Really good acting. Uh, so I believe this was her first film, Sophie Thatcher. I have a feeling this will not be her last. Far from it. This was a good movie to get her feet wet, but I'm sure we're going to see more of her down the road. But ultimately, this picture worked because of the interplay between C and Ezra. I've talked about the the overall world building, the atmosphere, the vibrance of scenes. But ultimately, it's going to come down to the interplay between these two actors. The high stakes and emotions between the two created a very contentious vibe that added to the suspense of the film. We keep talking about suspense. That's a key element here. That's a very important aspect of this movie. And Ezra and C both are kind of victims of C's dad's greed. So you can kind of sympathize with both characters. C is stranded because of her dad's greed. And Ezra was simply defending himself from being robbed by C's dad and Mm -hmm. winded up getting himself shot. That was an interesting way the writers managed to create or allow us to empathize with Ezra. Because if they, if it had not gone down that way, I don't feel like we ever would have cared about his character. We would just said, well, he's a murderer. Like he should die. And if they had just simply made him a one dimensional character like that, much of that suspense would have, would have dissipated immediately. We wouldn't have ever thought or thought during the movie, is he going to betray C? Is he going to help C? We would have just been waiting the whole time for him to betray her. But because of that, just that one small little decision to make it out to be or to turn him into a victim of her father, suddenly now we're, we're thrown into this moral quandary as an audience. And we're not sure if we should be on his side or if we should stay wary of his potential agenda or or intense, right? Mm-hmm. Intentions. And it can be fun that way, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it keeps your interest instead of you pick one side and you're good to go. And then you're just kind of with a boring, not a boring movie, but it's boring <laughs> when you're kind of trying to, you don't have any moral dilemma or anything to think about. Then you're just kind of sitting there like a bump on a log where this, you actually, you kind of were hoping for the best for both. Yeah, I agree. It just makes it that much more interesting as a viewer, I mean, we, we want to, if you have, if you require some type of substance in your movies, a lot of us, we want to feel complicated feelings. Sometimes when we're watching something now, not every time. Sometimes we just want to check out and watch love Island, you know, on, on TV and Ish. have some trash entertainment Ish, or strange or, or stranger things. If you're you, cause you, that's your trash entertainment. <laughs> Mine is love Island. Yours is stranger things. Wow, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting. I've been waiting to jab you with yep, that one. I know. Um, we don't always need complications or complicated scenarios to invoke some type of emotion when we're watching a movie. But when we're watching this type of movie, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for those complications. And it, these characters weren't simple. It was not a simple character design by any means. And neither was 
the situation that the two characters found themselves in. Uh, they gave the actors, especially to Thatcher, a lot of different emotions to put themselves to put themselves through in a very short amount of time. I'm sure it was quite the exercise on set, especially with all that equipment on them, yeah. as we had mentioned. Can you imagine having to sit there, put yourself in this zone, understanding the character, and then you have this giant equipment on your back and on your head? Well, and wherever they were, it had to be warm, right? I, would, I, mean, I, I, I It can't be a – it's not a set. I'm assuming no. it can't be a set because that was pretty no. dense. It, they were on location, yeah. So, I mean, it's got to be hot. Then you got to keep your focus. And then uh, – I. Hats off. Helmets off to him. Yeah. All right. So let's go to a very quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to jump into the visual effects briefly, the practical effects, talk about some of the things they had to do. Uh, We'll be right back. Don't y'all go nowhere. Weird West Radio. We'll be right back. Want more Weird West Radio? Get more Western discussions, plus some pulpy fun. Get more Weird West Radio every month with the Patreon Mike and Clint Do You Right tier. When you pledge just $4 or more a month, you will receive two to four additional broadcasts every single month. More movie discussions on the weird, strange, and traditional Westerns, including episodic breakdowns on the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. and the Wild Wild West. Also, for you Spaghetti Western fans, we've got a monthly specialty show dedicated specifically to the iconic film genre of the 60s and 70s. For more Western discussions plus some pulpy fun, go to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. It's Weird West Sunday. The 2019 supernatural horror western flick, The Wind. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm here in the same saddle with Clint Felton. Hello, Clint. It's just because it's scary. We talk, yeah. This one's yeah. a little scary, so it's not anything other than that. We just want to make sure we're okay. I just need someone to hold me for, for a little while. Yeah, I guess I don't even need the movie for that. Yeah. Oh, oh. I'm, just, I'm frightened. Oh, no, no that, that was gross. Yeah, that was gross. <laughs> oh, I pushed the limit. If I need some consoling, then that's okay. Darn. But if you're just, you know, trying to sit on the same saddle with me just because, Clint, then we have we're gonna have we're gonna have some issues. It's been we're five have years. You think it'd be okay? No, it's not. Okay, only when I'm scared. Okay, I told you, only when I'm scared. Boo! <laughs> Catch up on your favorite Weird West discussions from Mike and Clint every Sunday on Rain Man Channel Zero Zero One. Listen from the Rain Man Digital app or tune in. Just search RM Channel 001. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. Andrew, moving on, keeping up with the women. A woman who broke her vagina. Oh. (laughs) They can break. Shares a hilarious point. Wait, she did what? How did she break it? Broke. Her vagina. 
continue, Andrew. Uh, shares a hilarious warning about using sex toys for the first time. What does she do? Like ram it all the way in, including the, the remote control? So how do I do this? <laughs> the cable's still there. We just shove it all in there. Is this how this thing it's works? It's all supposed to go in, right? Sex columnist Nadia. Is this how it works, guys? I'm not sure. They told me at uh, Fascinations that this is what I need. Very high-powered. Actually, oops, that wasn't Fascinations. The receipt says Lowe's. <laughs> at least Lowe's has a great return policy. Nadia Bacotti. Hold on, I'm not have a comment. I haven't came yet. I'm almost there. I'm like Randy. You gotta work it. All right, I'm almost... The 34-year-old goes to say in a video, it had been a long time since I had sex, referring to her divorce from her husband. It was quite odd, and looking back, that I was running a woman's website. Hold on a second. Randy. Yeah. Has there been some cold spells in your life where you didn't have sex for... Periods. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. What do you do to satisfy yourself? Do you use vibrators or do you just use the old the old flicker room? Um, Go ahead. You use Don't lie. Tinder or Snapchat and you oh, get so, to come okay, over. So that's what you've done. Everyone knows that sex is it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So were you known as the girl that just has sex on the apps? Like, they're like oh, we all got to get Randy. <laughs> she just wants to. No, sex. you just lock down a few... Key people. Uh, okay. yeah, key people, and you just kind of. And you, okay. What are you doing? And then you say just like that. What are you doing? Do they all come running after that? <laughs> come here, you. <laughs> I'm ready for you. <laughs> Hold still and bring your mouth down to my pussy. <laughs> Do you mind if I use this dildo as well? I just picked it up from Home Depot. <laughs> Come on, use that tongue, boy. (laughs) For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. Y'all listen to Weird West Radio on Rain Man Digital. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Weird West Radio on Rain Man Digital. If you miss any part of this broadcast, because you caught us on Weird West Sunday on our RM channel 001 24-7 internet stream, you can find us on demand on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search Weird West Radio on iTunes and Stitcher. Leave us reviews. Give us thumbs up. It helps our show get seen by more people. I know we have thousands and thousands of listeners, but the reviews don't add up. 
So please give us reviews, but only if it's five stars. I don't want none of that four star shit. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to take the time. Hey, listen, you know that old saying, beggars can't be choosy? Well, beggars can be choosy. All right. Five star reviews or nothing. Don't be a bitch. Yeah, don't get the fuck out of here. Don't even listen to us. <laughs> no, no, listen, but. No, you don't give me a five star review. Get the hell out of here. Wow. What do Just, I need you for? <laughs> what do I need you for? <laughs> hey, it's all your fault, Clint, for getting me all fired up during our break. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and if people and if people want to know that, you guys are gonna have to go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Rayman Digital to find out why I'm so angry right now at Clint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I called him intelligent. So stupid. <laughs> all right. Let's get into this final bit here. Visual effects. I love this. And this is where the creativity of these two directors came into play here. They're cinemaphile antics. The particles of the poisonous dust that mm. flutter across the moon, pretty much the entire movie, the moon forest, I should say, are actually practical effects. Not CGI. Really? And the way they shot it, Clint, is awesome. It's actually basement dust. It was dust that was thrown into the air and filmed meticulously over and over and over and then overlaid into the finished movie via compositing effects. How you do it? Why do CGI when you can simply shoot some dust in a black environment, either behind a or in front of a black screen or in a dark area, light the dust from behind, shoot your camera, and you have some beautiful dust. Enough with the CGI-generated, hokey-looking crap. I love that they did that. Yeah, isn't that awesome? And that's such a, that's attention to detail. And I know they're dealing with a $3.9 million budget, but it shows you. It shows you what you have to do when you're dealing with a lower budget. And part of me makes me want other directors to be forced to work in a lower budget because then they're going to be like, well, shit, how are we going to do this? Well, let's go the old fashioned route and actually work hard. Let's roll up our <laughs> sleeves and, and get to work rather than just saying, Hey, we'll do it in post with some awesome CGI effects that are going to cost millions. Well, sometimes it even looks better. I think I agree. It, dude, practical effects always, if you, if you can do it practically, do it practically. I'm not against CGI. I know there's a big movement. I, I want to say it started around 2012, 2013. Uh, and I think it happened because of Michael Bay's Transformer movies, where the entire thing was just a CG, CGI ball of, you know, epic proportions. It kind of hit the wall. It kind of hit the wall. People are like, shit. Or I should say it hit the fan. Shit hit the fan. People are like, you know what? I am tired of CGI. No more CGI. And then suddenly we started seeing practical effects, practical effects being used as an option. More directors, big, big budget directors were willing to start using and utilizing the old art form because a lot of people realize that they hold up. If you go and look at some of the big budget movies of the 80s, and 90s, the James Cameron films, the Spielberg films that have been remastered, not the original DVD or VHS release. Get yourself an H, you know, an HD 4K version. And the reason why they hold up still opposed to a movie that came out in 2009, it's all CGI is because of practical effects. 
It's real. It's actually there. It's not relying on the technology of the time to translate digits, zeros, and ones into an image. So, yeah, practical effects, people. Do it. Um, also, the filmmakers hired an art collective of carpenters. Again, this is very innovative approach to filmmaking. The filmmakers hired an art collective of carpenters, industrial designers, mechanics, and cosplayers to create all the handmade costumes and props for the film. That's cool. Yeah, that's how you do it, man. Just bring in, not everything needs to be classic film making ideas. Use what's at your disposal. And a lot of times you have these in, these industrial types on sets, but the fact that they gave them the the brunt the brunt of what's the brunt of the work the is that the saying sure the fact that they gave them the the tough side the tough end of the work there we go when you don't know a word just use something else it goes to show you that these directors were willing to do what they needed to do to get this film made and i definitely applaud that now the aspect ratio was 1.85 to 1 that's pretty standard for today's films the movie was shot on the Red Dragon 6K and the Red Epic W Helium 8K. Those are some monster machines. I've shot with the Red Dragon 6K. It's a beautiful picture. It's the closest you're going to get, in my opinion, to that warm, vibrant film look. Yes, a lot of that has to do with color grading today. You can make a lot of digital cameras have that, that warm film vibrance. But the Red K6 image... And the color space in that camera is astonishing. I love the way it looks. So those are good choices to work with. I know their original short film, based on some of the research I used, or I based on some of the research that I did for this discussion, the, the original 15-minute short that this film was based on was uh, shot with a Blackmagic cinema camera, which is a decent camera. I use one here in the studio, uh, but they definitely took it up a notch with the Red Dragon 6K. Now, is that because of the the effects that they were going to use, or did they just use that because they wanted that warm feeling you were talking about? You know what? I, I really couldn't say. However, if you are going to do a lot of work in post, let's say you do have some CGI that you need to utilize, or you have to do a very meticulous overlay of practical effects like with the dust, it always helps to have more information there more you have more latitude to mess with the images so shooting 8k shooting 6k in a scenario like that makes sense yes okay. so you're you're right yeah so the review aggregator website rotten tomatoes um because they're always they, on the nuts well they actually did a decent job with this one surprisingly <laughs> they gave it an overall rating of 90 percent oh uh, the website's critical uh consensus reads fueled by character development yeah okay so they're kind of on the same par or the same uh wavelength as us and setting instead of special effects prospects is a sci-fi story where whose style is defined and enriched by its limitations that's actually what i said as well that because they had to work hard for what they needed to do, it was inspiring. And you can see what they were able to accomplish because of their limitations. They they struggled that much harder to get the, the picture they wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, Metacritic has a weighted average score of 68, indicating generally favorable reviews. All right, so that takes us to our final thoughts. 
And we are going to go ahead and squeeze our way into the saloon. Uh, we are tied together. Are we all? Need yeah, we are, yeah. But in this scenario, I want to keep an eye on you. I want to make sure you're not going to try to shoot me in the back or run away with my transport vessel or my slimy jizz aliens that might explode <laughs> that are worth lots of money. So I'm keeping an eye on you, but we're walking into the saloon and uh, we're going to belly up to the bar, drink some whiskey, and we no longer do shots of whiskey. Yeah. That's not how we rate things anymore. Now we do things based on a percentage scale. If you remember that scale, good. If not, I can run you through it quickly. I, I've but got what's it. your... I've got it. You have it? Okay. All right. What's your final thoughts on this movie? Well, I'm gonna percentage. I'm gonna definitely give it a hell yeah, about a seventy-five percent because it's it does have just about anything that you wanted to see in it. I mean, it's got cool effects. We just got done talking about that. Location was cool. Uh, the story was, I thought, pretty spot on, and uh, you know it was interesting. And you will see, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you will. If you're a Western fan, you're going to see some Western uh, ideas float through this bad boy. And so I'm going to give it a, a hell yeah. Did All I say right. 75%? Yeah, 75%. Wait, 75 cents? Is that what you said? Percent. I'll give it 75 cents. Is that how we're doing that here now on Weird West Radio? I'll give it seven bits. i give it 75 pesos. How's that? <laughs> All right, so how our rating system is, just to remind everyone out there, we now rate things between 1% and 40%, which is get fisted. 41 and 70% is it's a movie. It's decent. 71 to 90% is hell yeah, it's good. Thumbs up. Generally good movies. 91 to a 100% equals kick-ass. Ultimate in movie-making experience. All right, so you gave this a 75%, right? Yes, sir. Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and take a few shots of whiskey so I can think about this a little longer. Don't judge me. I'm not an alcoholic. This one's tough for me. Because, uh, number one, I thought it was a really good movie. I loved the innovative approach to filmmaking. Uh, maybe innovative might not be the right choice of words, but at least the, the throwback style of filmmaking you could tell that the directors both knew the, the the process of filmmaking in its entirety, and they used all their tools, all the tools available at their disposal. They used them to create the picture they wanted. The acting was great. Uh, there, I will say that, as I said, the movie is simple. Is the script flawed? No. But is the script perfect? No. I'm going to go ahead and give this movie a 75% as well. I agree. It's a good movie. Thumbs up. But again, it has, has, uh, like most movies, has some issues. But overall, a great, fun watch. I definitely suggest people picking it up. Um, I bought it. So check it out. Prospect on Video On Demand. Yeah. All right. Well, this concludes our discussion on Weird West Radio for this week. I want to thank you, Clint. Thank you, Michael. And good night. Or said he be taken from such prison to a suitable and convenient place of execution within said county and there be hanged by the neck till he be dead, dead, dead. Now, do you have anything to say, young man? 
Yes, Your Honor, I do. <clears throat> you can go to hell, hell, hell. <laughs> <laughs>